We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not supposed of to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. We're back. All right, everyone. Welcome in to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. I am Richie. Thanks for joining us again today. If this is your first time listening uh, or if you haven't done so, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way in helping the algorithms, getting our podcast more exposure out there and uh, more people can can listen to us. So what we're going to do today and, and moving forward are previewing the Southeastern Division teams between the Magic, the Wizards, the Heat, and the Hawks. Guys, today is Wednesday, September 22nd. Four weeks from now, the Hornets have a season opener, and we hope to preview each and every one of these teams before then. In addition to that, uh, we're also going to do a season preview on the Hornets. So that's at least five different episodes that you're going to receive in the next four weeks. Preseason basketball starts a week and a half from now on the 4th of October against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it's going to come real quick, and the season is just around the corner. Before you blink, season opener is going to come here on October 20th against the Pacers. So... You know, we're struggling for content right now, and so what we're going to try to do is just preview some of the teams, bring on some guests that follow the teams. I'm bringing on a guy that covers the Orlando Magic, and you'll get some insight from him, and make sure you give him a follow at Beyond the RK on Twitter. So we're going to jump into that conversation, but moving forward, like I said, between now and and October 20th, we're going to preview all the Southeastern Division teams, bring on guests that know these teams a little bit better than we do. So let's go ahead and jump into that conversation. All right, everyone, we are now joined by RK, who is here to talk about the Orlando Magic. You can find RK on Twitter with his handle at BeyondTheRK. So go ahead as you're listening right now to this podcast and hit that follow button for him. 
Uh, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going? I appreciate that. I'm good. Hope you're doing well as well. Thanks for having me. I'm just happy to be here. Yes, I see your little, uh, is that is that T-Mac behind you on that wall behind yeah. you? You know, we got T-Mac and Vince straight out of Central Florida. They're repping Toronto here, but, you know, they're the boys. We got we to gotta give them a shout out here. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do today is we are going to kind of look back on Magic season last year and then mainly preview the upcoming season. We're trying to get all the Southeastern Division teams. So I'm going to quickly summarize Magic's season last year in 2020-2021. Uh, I will say, as I was talking to you prior to the recording, out of all the teams in the Southeast, I'm probably the least familiar with them. But anyways, they, they finished with a record of 21-51, and 51, missing out on the playoffs after making it for the previous two seasons. Um, from the eye test, from the stats, you know, things weren't great on either end of the court. In terms of like the team-oriented stuff, uh, like most Steve Clifford coach teams, we know Steve Clifford over here in Charlotte. Uh, the Magic didn't turn the ball over a ton. Uh, they didn't foul a lot. But other than that, there was not a whole lot to point to positive on, on the grand scheme of things. Uh, individually, Vooch had a great season with his production on offense, his production on the boards. But obviously, he got traded midseason, just like Aaron Gordon, just like Evan Fournier. Uh, they got younger. They got younger by bringing in Carter Jr. and R.J. Hampton and those deals. So just focusing on last year, R.K., what did you make of that team? And then number two, did you agree with the direction that they went and got younger with some of those players? Absolutely, yeah. I think that they pretty much had no choice by the time that trade deadline came around. Um, one, I was someone who thought once Isaac went down all the way back in the bubble that the upcoming season – might be a little lost that tanking might have made sense even from that point because Isaac was out. And then, of course, Fultz goes goes down with another season-ending injury uh, just barely even a quarter into the season. And the Magic just weren't winning games anymore. They weren't barely competitive. Like you said, they they do they played Clifford Ball as well as they could. They, they followed the, the four factors and just playing sound, safe basketball between um, Vucevic boxing out and slowing down the game, reducing possessions. But they weren't even like competing with their three healthy veterans because they just had no depth and no talent. They could barely feel the team. So, yeah, they pretty much had to call it in. I think what we saw with the Fournier deal is maybe that they waited a little too long there and it was just the best they could do. They just got two seconds and a trade exception from Boston in return there. And, you know, that's a trade where the Boston team clearly won that deal in a vacuum. But – um, it was probably unfair to keep Fournier around at that point, and they just had to cut bait. But I, th- I, I think the Vucevic trade right when it happened was just a masterful deal. They, they got two really key, key first-round picks. Obviously, one of them became Franz Wagner in this draft. And they got Wendell Carter, who we can touch on a little later, but I think he's just a sound rotation player, a solid big, and a former lottery pick in the same class as Bomba. I, I believe the Magic were rumored to be interested in both back then anyway. And... Yeah, I mean, making the move then, going all in. Basically, people kind of say they chose to tank by making those moves, but, I mean, we were already a bottom five record, I would say, by then, and that just kind of, you know, put the nail in the coffin, get the veterans out and kind of, uh, let's say, cash in the chips while they still are worth something. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At some point, you do have to draw that line and, and you know, either you're going for the playoffs or you're, or you're rebuilding and uh, Magic clearly were not winning games like you mentioned. So it made a whole lot of sense not to keep some of those veterans on the team and and just get younger. And, and you mentioned the draft pick, which landed Franz Wagner, but also Magic landed Jalen Suggs with the fifth overall pick. So we're going to transition to to those two players specifically. You know, what, what were your overall thoughts on the draft? I know those, those weren't the only two players drafted, but just specifically with Suggs and, and Wagner. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the luckiest draft nights i think in magic history it was, it was definitely one of those like most memorable draft nights for orlando in quite some time because as magic fans will tell you we pretty much fall in one slot past where the noted franchise savior would go like the porzingis draft we fall one the hazonia and the Aaron gordon draft ended up being solid where gordon might actually be better than wiggins and, and obviously jabari at this point but back during the draft it was Embiid and wiggins and and Jabari and Gordon. So, you know, it's nice that this finally went our way, and that's there's no shot at all to um, Scotty Barnes because the Magic obviously would have had a lot of interest or at least reported interest in him as well. He, he could end up having the higher ceiling anyway, but <clears throat> Orlando fans are pretty happy that Suggs slipped, really because Suggs is just, was always the perfect fit for this roster because the, the other top prospects – there's a case, you know, they all have higher ceilings as on-ball creators, but the real difference there for fit-wise was that Suggs isn't going to demand absolute number one option scoring, like on-ball op- um, 
touches. Mm -hmm. So um, he he can actually fit a lot better with different units. You know, if if he's out there with Fultz, he can play a little more off the ball, and Fultz can be more of the initiator, drive and kick, and Suggs can play catch and shoot or secondary with those lineups. Whereas if if he's out there with Cole and RJ, maybe they're a little more capable of shooting. So Suggs can be more involved in creating the offense, focus on scoring on, on the ball. He, if he has a weakness, it's probably his burst and, and getting past people ISOing on his own. But other than that, he, he's really just commanding the offense. Everyone loves watching him play because it seems like he, he can anticipate any play that's going to happen, whether it's on the on the off of, offensive end, hitting a dime in transition or breaking up a passing lane on defense. He's just always hunting the ball, and it's – it's really exciting to, to see Suggs in here. To run through some numbers on his all-around efficiency, he, he shot 34% from three. 51% of them were assisted, so a little versatile, can, can do it both ways there. He shot 64% at the rim, and half of his shots total in shooting rate came at the rim, and 75% of his free throws went in while he shot four per game from there. So he has some either average or above average shooting metrics that, that look good for all around scoring. And the same can be said about Franz Wagner. I'd say the the best part about drafting both of them is that they would kind of fit anywhere because they're team first players who make plays on both ends, but they don't really hurt you. They can both shoot. They can both attack closeouts. They can both keep the ball moving. And Franz is pretty underrated in terms of his defense. He, he's, he's long, yeah. he's smart. He knows where to, be at all times and he's just a sound player where maybe some people are might throw the words average or good out there for like certain certain skills but the point I, I tried to make there is that if he's average or good at just about everything then at least he's not hurting you anywhere on the court and there's always that possibility that some of the parts creates a, a better player overall and some will compare him to uh I've, I've heard Gallinari thrown out there as something of a skilled forward who isn't really going to hurt you, but obviously he, he got a little worse defensively as the, the years go on. But mm-hmm. he's energetic, skilled, can do a little bit of everything with the ball. So I know Magic fans are hyped about this uh, offseason for sure. Now, is there anything unlocked with, with playing with his brother at all? Is there is there something to that? <laughs> yeah, so what's funny, Mo had said that he had never actually played, like I assume he meant organized basketball yeah. with his brother. Maybe it's the age difference or something, but you would think with the Michigan growing up, they never played, but then he was um, on the Duncan Robinson podcast where he said that, and then he uh, followed that up and said he finally got to play some pickup, and he's just amazed how like easy it is to play with Franz, and that it, it even got to the point where like the little brother Franz is like shooting Mo dirty looks for not passing him the ball. Like he just he loves that he has that like aggressive mindset, but they I mean they they both can spread the floor and they both play with hustle and energy and, and moving the ball kind of stuff, so. That's the kind of thing where it's nice that we can just kind of put them in different lineups probably together because they're just not hurting you on either end. So I think that's the Magic's goal with a lot of these lineups is to find two ways, team-first players who just aren't going to make mistakes and they keep the ball moving, can spread the floor. They're just where, where they rarely hurt you. And obviously that's the ideal version of it, but that's what they're aiming for by building it this way. That's funny because Hornets fans know the the brother thing all too well with the Caleb Martin and Cody Martin. But recently, Caleb Martin's no longer with the team. Uh, they they let go of him. So 
I don't know. There's they always say there's some kind of synergy between the two when they played on the court together, but overall they just weren't that productive to keep both of them on the roster. But we mentioned the draft. In terms of free agency, Magic didn't do a ton here. I mean, outside of each one more and, and Robin Lopez, Robin Lopez killed the Hornets with his hook shots uh, last season. And it's just, he's somehow like deceptively effective with that. Like it's, it's crazy to watch. Like he doesn't look like an athlete cause he's not, but somehow he just always comes up with those hook shots. Are these players going to move the needle at all for this team? Or is it more about like the veteran presence? Do you think? That, that latter aspect for sure. And yeah, I mean, Robin's a, a walking sky hook. He, he will throw about five endless shoulder fades <laughs> to get to that sky hook and it's going up. But exactly what you just said, I think it's more about the veteran presence here. I don't really think either one was signed with the intent of they're going to be a top nine player in this rotation. I think it's more of a break in case of emergency role where they can both be reliable rotation players when called upon, whenever their number's called off the bench. Each one obviously... A floor spacer, he's not bringing a ton of defense, but he's a knockdown three-point shooter. I, I thought of that move as more of a Terrence Ross insurance move where you, you have a veteran shooter on the bench behind Ross who, in case Ross gets traded or hurt, you still have someone who can at least play the rotation and not lose you games necessarily on his own. And that's a that's a big part of the Robin Lopez signing too. Like, I don't think they signed him with the intent of let's make – him our backup center over Mo Bamba to chase a 10 seed. But I do think they brought him in to bring competition for Bamba where every day in practice, he has kind of the standard of what a backup center looks like. Mm -hmm. Just a professional, reliable rotation player who does the little things as a big from setting picks to knowing where to be in on the defensive rotations. And also something of a rim roller that maybe Bamba can learn from because that's something he should be capable of, but hasn't necessarily used a lot of. Um, but, yeah, I don't think either one was necessarily signed to uh, compete, but both are reliable veterans who can always be thrown out there in, in case of emergency. So, Jonathan Isaac, do we know if he's going to be ready for full health by the beginning of the season? I mean, we don't think he is, right? Yeah, that's been a little back and forth, I guess. There was a rumor at some point that the answer was yes, but I would say it's more up in the air. It's not definite. There's been... Kind of that, that point's been kind of shut down a little bit. It's it's more like he should be ready around the start of the season. But, I mean, I think he's going to play this season, but maybe not right at the start. It might be a little delayed there. But, I mean, this is the year for, for Isaac, obviously, just – I mean, he he could really be special. We, we all know what he could be defensively, when, and the big thing is just health. And yeah. this is yeah. a big time to see what, what that looks like. I mean, him and Fultz, I think, their health – factors are probably as important as anything for the success of this year's team because if we lose them that's there is technically our veteran talent at this point and probably our best two players unless Suggs or Chuma really pops and I mean if we lose one or two of them it's really hard to be fighting for a play-in game when you're fringing on talent I mean that that's that's where the season just goes to tanking even without much choice again but if you know maybe if only one is out at a time Maybe we can um, balance the rotation there, fill in the gaps, and get by. What do you think the next step in his progression is? Because we know he's so great defensively, um, and obviously the injuries are holding him back, having spent all of last season not playing a single game. But offensively, where do you think that he can make the most amount of growth? That mid-range jumper and the corner threes, 
would be great because it's already within his game. He, he, he doesn't have a ton of moves per se, but he, he has flashed the ability to hit a corner three. I know a couple months leading up to that playoff run, a while, that first playoff run with Vooch, he was like 40% from three over a few, like a month or two and going into the playoffs and it didn't translate for the actual playoffs, but he just needs some type of reliable action offensively because he's so great defensively. And he's, I always like as a kind of as a joke, but like the, the model he should go after is Kawhi here a little bit where he's just able to get that elbow mid range jumper off without being blocked because I mean, no one's going to touch it. It's release point is so high. He's probably never going to be that efficient offensively, but I mean, he's, he's pretty close on that defensive impact. He's to me, he's as impactful as any defender when he's healthy. So it's just a matter of finding some two way balance. So this year he should get way more opportunity to score. I mean, there's no one that's defaulting into these touches. So I would assume he's our number one or number two scoring option this year. So we could see, I mean, we got a couple flashes with that where, other where Vooch was hurt and some guys were hurt and Isaac was our best player he, and him and Fultz were the only two healthy players and they, they he hit like 20 something points a couple times so we've seen him do it but now it's a time of can he do it consistently can he do it with defenses preparing for him and like I just said he really just needs like at least one move to, to count on here like an, just one little elbow pull up because no one's blocking him so if he gets that one move or obviously a consistent three point shot I mean that takes his two way impact to another level all right, we're going to end the podcast with like five quick hitter questions here where I just throw out like a superlative or a category and you just tell me what you think. So who on this roster do you think will be the quote unquote breakout player for the Orlando Magic this season and why? I'm going Chuma Okiki. It's time. Year two, or I, I guess it might be year three. Who knows how it counts by now, but he has all the opportunity in the world. Aaron Gordon's been traded. Vucevic has been traded. He flashed all these ball skills last year. We, we even saw him run a little 4-5 pick and roll with Wendell out of a normal 1-4 one, one pick and roll after he popped. So it's nice to see these skill variations. And what we really want to see is all this different talent and skill that he has get merged into the, the role and opportunity he now has into a starter caliber player who, who's really a, an actual scoring option. I mean, there's a, a real case that he has more offensive skill than Isaac at, at that front court position. And we just haven't really seen them both healthy in a while. So, you know, who knows for sure, but he's shown a lot and he definitely has better handles, better shot at the moment. So it's just up to kind of him and the coach to give him that opportunity, but it, he could really be great. I guess it could be the same answer here, but let us know a player on the roster or two that doesn't get a ton of recognition or maybe someone that, you know, outside of Orlando doesn't know too much about uh, that is just very underrated for the for the Magic. Yeah, I'll, I'll switch it up for you. I'll go Wendell Carter for this one because he's he might even be properly rated, but he, he is a very <laughs> solid, sound, reliable rotation player. Like when I think of kind of an average big of what that could look like. He kind of a modern big, and I should say he kind of comes to mind because he does have a little defensive versatility to be able to guard a little bit, switch a little bit, but really he's just lengthy. He's a plus defender who can guard four fives. Everyone likes the Al Horford comp. He's not that skilled, but he does bring like that idea where he's not really hurting you on any little thing. He's just making team first plays and he can, 
kind of fill that role as a roller, two-way rim runner, rebounder, just traditional big man in today's game. And maybe even another one might be Bamba, where he's kind of been thrown out as a bust already by a lot of people. And all I would say is that he had a combination of being out from COVID, not a ton of opportunity, and to be fair, he got beat out for the backup position by Ken Birch a couple times when the, the team's trying to win. But he, sh- he showed plenty of times that he can hit the three ball and he can rebound and he can block shots. So if that can be summed up into a real role as a backup center where he's rim rolling as well and just accepting his role and not asked to do anything else, like there's a, there's a player there that can be a rim, like a Miles Turner type who can block shots and hit threes and roll. And he might not be great at anything else, but he's a, he's an NBA player if he's healthy and gets that opportunity. So we'll see. But they, I would say they're a little underrated or properly rated. Right. Great. <laughs> okay. So clearly the Magic are in this like rebuild mode. Really should be taking this patient approach. And I, I think we forgot to mention this, but Clifford was let go and they hired Mosley from Dallas who had been – an assistant coach there since 2014. Now, Vegas has the over-under win total at 22.5 wins for Orlando, which puts them last in the conference here. Are you taking the over or the under? Man, as a betting man, I should advise, or if I was a betting man, I should advise bettors probably go under on that because the odds of every, like, let me rephrase if everything goes right, the over is hitting because I believe in this team. I believe Fultz, Isaac, and all this pace and all these all this skill can put under Jamal Mosley, as you mentioned. He, he wants to play with pace and space and, and passing the ball. Like I believe they can make a real run for the play-in tournament, but that belief hinges on Isaac and Fultz being healthy all year, which is just not a safe bet. So if you're making a real bet, take the under, but – you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the over. And realistically, if healthy, I, I think we can chase that play-in seed, which is a 7-10 to 10 seed. Like, why, why can't we be the 10th seed if perfectly healthy in this conference, trying really hard? Like, we, we I think the goal, of course, is, is like that heart and hustle idea of the 99 squad with Doc Rivers and Daryl Armstrong, where we're just building that culture. It's year one, and if, if we make, like, the 8th seed on a run, great. But it, it's all overachievement anyway and the real idea is establishing that identity for other players that to respect us similar to the Clippers and the Nets doing similar ideas recently where they sign these superstars and and attract these superstars simply by being a competent organization by no longer being a joke and that's really part of this as well is building that respect from other players whether it be through trade or free agency down the line just to make it where players want to come here and sign and obviously the exciting roster being so young and so many faces that are, are pretty popular, famous or whatever, that, that obviously adds to it as well. So it's just got to be an attractive situation is the goal. I want you to hit me. I mean, you, you seem pretty optimistic, but I want you to hit me with one bolder prediction for your team this year. Now, it could be individual related or it could just be Orlando Magic related. Well, I, I have two, and I, I think the first one's not bold enough. Suggs Rookie of the Year, that's not bold enough. He's, he's third in odds already, and we kind of went over it. He really has the opportunity here where the team's probably going to be bad, but he has a really nice role where there's a ton of defenders flanking him in the starting lineup where there's an, a need for scoring, 
and he could just walk right into that scoring versus on on the second teams he could be more of a, a point playmaker at, at six four with six six wingspan. So that's that's right there where he has the opportunity, the skill, and probably should get the numbers. And obviously, the fame and the exciting highlight plays go into that as well for rookie of the year. But he's third. I don't even think that's very bold. So I'm gonna go with. Isaac stays healthy and finally gets recognized for an all defensive team. Wow. Because he's, he's deserved it for three years now. And I'm tired of telling people he's a great defender and nobody watches him or knows. So, it, I mean, it, it, if, if you know anything about the NBA, you know he's a great defender who can't stay healthy. But a lot of people just throw it off like, ah, he's maybe one day. Like, no, he's, he's a great defender. <laughs> keep, keep him healthy. Yeah. But there it is for you. All right, before we let you go, for the Magic, uh, what do you think would be considered a successful season for this team? Um, it, it could be a win total, or it could just be certain things that you want them to achieve over the course of the 82-game season. Right, like like we touched on, I, I think just building a competitive environment is the goal here. Like, it, Obviously, a real success in terms of the season would be making that play-in game. I, I think even a 10 seed is a realistic goal, but more than just making the play-in game, it's about development. Like, that's really the only marker of success is do these guys get better by game 82 as a unit than they were today on game one? And also trying to figure out who fits with who because we have nine prospects. It's unlikely that everyone ends up fitting and, and staying and being happy with their role. I mean, it's possible, but never, <clears throat> not not all that likely. So I would say that is a realistic success and it doesn't even really matter what the record is in terms of success this year because injury could and youth could throw things off where maybe we end up chasing draft pick odds halfway through the year because of two injuries but the whole team is developing well so that's still a a success in that mind so it's it's easier to to rationalize success when you're not contending for a title i'd say (laughs) that's true that's true Well, thank you so much for the insight on the Orlando Magic. We do appreciate your time. I'm sure our listeners will love learning a little bit more about this team because, like I said, I think out of all the teams in the Southeast, it's probably the one team that I know the least about. Plug anything you want right here before we sign off. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm not working on anything too new at the moment, but I did write a little bit about the Orlando Magic draft and drew up some data visualizations about Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner that's Uh, pinned on my Twitter beyond the RK and I really appreciate you having me. All right. We appreciate it.